The subject that I want to talk to you about is continuing in faith. If we can take that away, please. Continuing in faith. Tell somebody you must continue in faith. Come on, say it like a minute. You must continue in faith. Amen. Good. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verses 38 and 39. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 38 and 39. The need to continue in faith is what I want to talk to you about. If you have found Hebrews chapter 10, shout amen. amen. If you haven't found it, say wait for me. Okay, we'll wait for you. Hebrews 10. Well, the book of Hebrews is between Genesis and Revelation, for the interest of those who are still looking for it. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 38 and 39, it reads, Now the just shall live by faith. The justified shall live by faith. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Well, Hebrews 11, 6, the Bible says, For without faith it is impossible to please Him. So the only way to please God is by faith. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. Or he, he exists, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you want to please God, you have to walk in faith. I heard a man of God say, you haven't preached if you haven't preached faith. How did you get saved? By grace, you were saved through faith. How do you live your life as a believer? The just shall live by faith. How do you overcome the world? You overcome the world by faith. Come on now, say amen. amen. For he that is born of God overcometh the world. But how do you overcome? You overcome the world by faith. There is no other life to live. The only life we have to live is a life of faith. No room for doubt, no room for unbelief. And what is happening globally right now is the devil at work. And I told you when this whole thing started. That the strategy or the plan of the enemy is to shut the mouth of the church. And I, I hope you notice. When you do a study, you will discover that the rate of domestic abuse has gone up. The rate of suicide has gone up just in the last one year. The rate of drug abuse, all kinds of abuse has gone up. Why? Because people have been locked into one place. People have slipped into depression. People have no hope anymore. And when I say people, I'm not referring to everybody. I'm referring to really a good chunk of society. Because the enemy understands that if he gets people locked up in one place, they will get into depression. And when they get into depression, all kinds of crazy things will begin to happen. The strategy of the enemy is to steal your mind. And people are being bombarded daily with all kinds of negativity. That's why you must stop listening to the news media. All the stuff you've been listening to, all the stuff you've been reading up on newspapers. These things have been messing up people's minds. And people's minds are so twisted, they don't even know which way is up. If you will walk in faith and continue in faith... You must make sure the word of God is your final authority. Come on now, I'm preaching better than you're responding this afternoon. If you will walk in faith, if you will do anything in faith, if you will succeed. In this day and time, the word of God has got to be final authority. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. The word of the living God. It is what God says that matters. 
And that is the reason why when this whole thing started, I told you the story. I was about to put my head on my pillow to sleep. And I said, Lord, what is happening? And the moment I heard the voice of God, I did not care to hear anyone's voice. Because the voice of God is what you need to bring you direction. That the decisions you make must be based upon what God has said. Can someone say amen? amen? The just shall live by faith. I think it was yesterday as I walked into my restroom. I began to think about this. And this is the thought that I had. No other way to live. There is no option. The only thing we've got is faith. The only way to live is faith. The only way to overcome is by faith. The only way to be strong is by living in faith. The only way to push back the tide of the devil, of the wicked, is doing it in faith. No faith, you will sink with the world. The stuff that people are dying of, the stuff that people are... And when I say people are dying of, don't think COVID. Because people are dying of more stuff than COVID. Don't be deceived to think that this is the worst thing that has happened to humanity. Because as you and I speak... People are dying of depression. People are dying because of domestic abuse. People are dying because of drug abuse. People are taking their lives. Now some of those things are not put into consideration. Because it seems to me as if the entire world is focused on COVID. But while you're focused on COVID, the devil is stealing. The devil is killing. The devil is destroying through other means. And the church must not be ignorant of this. The Bible says we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. We cannot stick our heads in the sand like an ostrich and, and think to ourselves that the only thing that's affecting the world today is this virus. Because it is not. There are many other viruses. And when I talk about other viruses, I'm not talking about uh, viruses that are being scientifically proven to exist. I'm even talking about a virus of fear. Fear itself has become a virus. Fear itself has become, a, 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 really, it's a pandemic right now. People are afraid. I mean, think with me. Two years ago, three years ago, when you're coming on the street, you see somebody walking towards you. You might even smile at them, even though you don't know them from Adam. But today, you see somebody coming towards you. You cross over to the other side. What is that? That is fear. Everybody around you is a potential carrier. That is what the devil has succeeded in doing. And we, the church, must not live like this. The just must only live by faith. We can't allow fear to infiltrate our hearts. We can't allow the devil to mess up our minds. The Bible says God has not given unto you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The devil is attacking your mind. He's trying to take your mind from you. It's trying to get you to think that everyone around you is a carrier of the disease. But no. If you think that way, they are not your problem. You are the problem. Because you are a carrier of fear. Fear has infiltrated your heart to the point where you can't even step out of your house. Do you know there are people that can't even go out? Do you know that? People can't even go out. People can't even do anything anymore. Why? Because they are afraid. But why they lock themselves up? Because of fear that is outside. They fail to realize that they are dying inside. Amen. The church must rise up. The church must step up. The church must lead by example. <laughs> we must not get into fear. Tell somebody no fear. Come on, say it like a minute. What's up with you guys? Tell somebody no fear. No room for fear. You are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The world may not believe it, but I believe it. I believe in Psalm 23. I believe in Psalm 27. I believe in Psalm 91. I am a believer in the word of God. I believe in Romans chapter 8. I believe in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 15 and verse 17. I am a believer of the word of God. That settles it. What God says is the truth. Every other thing is a fact. And the truth will always overcome facts. Come on now, shout hallelujah. 
Oh, in no way am I saying that there is no virus. But I'm also talking about even bigger viruses. Like fear. Like panic. Come on now. All this other stuff that's been ruining people's lives in the last one year. We must not slip into depression. People are depressed. The other day I got a call. No, actually somebody wrote my wife and I decided to get on the, on, on the case. And I called the brother. And the brother said, because we've not been meeting in church, it has affected my faith. And that is a fact. Many people have lost their faith. Many people are backsliding just because of what has happened in the last one year. That is the reason why I do not believe in all this, you know, Zoom church. Give me a break. Praise God, we do what we have to do because of the restrictions in, the, in different nations. But the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that they met from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship one with another and eating their bread in simplicity. That is the Bible. Do not neglect the gathering together of yourselves as you see the day of the Lord approaching like the nature of some people is. The devil understood this. And, and unfortunately, it looks like the church did not even have a clue. Majority of the church did not understand that this is more spiritual than scientific. I tell you, it's more spiritual than science. People talk about follow the signs. What about follow the voice of God? What about follow faith? What about follow the word of God? Oh yeah, I know this is not what some people like to hear. But this is the truth. If you are a believer in Jesus, then you are a believer. You, you are either a believer or you're a doubter. And don't tell me I'm a believer in Jesus, but then you allow fear to, to, to dominate your life and you allow panic to dominate your life. No, we shouldn't allow that to happen. That is the reason why faith is a very important subject to talk about in this day and in this time. With all that is happening. I tell you, many have lost their businesses. And those that have suffered the most are owners of small businesses. Those that have suffered the most are owners of little businesses. But why should that be your portion? Why is it so quiet here this afternoon? It looks like I'm angry. <laughs> so you guys are just there looking at me. Am I scolding you? No, I'm not scolding you. I'm preaching the word of God. I'm upset, I'm upset with the devil, not with you. I'm upset with the devil. The devil is a liar. Come on now, say amen. amen. And his plans and his schemes have been exposed. We know this. Thing. We know this, the plans of the devil. We know what he wants to do. We know he wants you in depression. We know he wants you to put a gun to your head and kill yourself. We know that is his plan. We know he wants couples fighting. That's why, you know, he has them locked up in the house. And, and they begin to quarrel. Quarrel for no reason. Fight for no reason. And the enemy is outside and watching and rejoicing and say, hey, yeah, we got them. Kids depressed. Kids thinking about taking their own lives. That's why we prayed and fasted on Thursday. And we said, we take back our cities. We take back our restaurants. We take back our meeting places. Come on now, shout hallelujah. We take, we take back the marketplace. Amen. We take back our jobs. Amen. We take back our freedom and our liberty. Amen. It is not the government taking it away from us. It is the devil that's trying to take your freedom and your liberty and your body and your life and your marriage. And you must say no to the devil. You must stand in faith and resist the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. But it is time for the body of Christ to come together in one voice and come against the works of the devil. And say no to the activity and the strategy of the devil. We must not bury our heads in the sand like an ostrich. We must understand what the devil is doing and we must fight back and push back and enforce the victory of Calvary. Come on, your amen is too, too weak for me this morning, this afternoon. Tell somebody, I am justified. Therefore, I live in faith. I live in faith and I live by faith. Tell somebody else, there is no other way to live. 
I live in faith. I talk faith. I believe the word of God. I believe I can have what God says I can have. I can do what God says I can do. If you believe it, let your amen be the loudest in the house. Praise God. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith. I like the fact that it says now the just shall live by faith. If you study the book of Hebrews, it says in verse uh, Hebrews 11 verse 1, now faith is. Notice, here it says, now the just shall live by faith. Because faith is present tense. Faith is not past tense. Faith is not future tense. Faith is present tense. Now, everyone say now. now. The just shall live by faith. Don't wait until tomorrow to live in faith. Live in faith. Live by faith right now. Come on now, shout hallelujah. Faith is now. Faith's not next month. Oh, Pastor God, well, next month I'll live in faith. No, live in faith now. Amen. Come on now, say praise the Lord. Praise now the judge shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We will not draw back. Draw back from faith and draw back into unbelief. Like a dog going back to his vomit. That is not your portion in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. You are not to tend downwards. You are to, you are to tend upward. Amen. Come on now, you are not to go into fear and doubt and unbelief. You are to walk in faith. Amen. Every day, walking faith. Amen. When you step out tomorrow morning, you walk in faith. When you step out on Monday, you walk in faith. When you step out on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you walk in faith. The Bible says, blessed shall you be when you go out. And blessed shall you be when you come in. I'm telling you, that's how you must think. You must think blessing. You must think grace. You must think favor. You must think goodness. You must think increase. You must think prosperity. As a man thinketh, so is the man. You cannot think fear poverty and sickness and disease and I'm going to get infected. No, I'm not going to get infected. If the thing come around me, it's going to die. That is the way to think. Oh, but Pastor God, well, some people had it the other time. Who gives a rip if anybody had it the other time? Faith is now. People might have it last week or last month, but today is faith. Now is faith. I believe I believe that it will not touch my body. I believe it will not come near my home. The Bible says no evil will befall you. No plague will come nigh your dwelling place. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But it will not come near you. Only with eyes you will behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord your refuge. Even the most high your habitation. There shall no evil befall you. Nor any plague come nigh your dwelling. If you believe it. Give the Lord a big hand of praise the Lord. Come on now. Hallelujah. That is how we must live. We're not going to live in fear and let the devil speak his negativity into our hearts and our minds. And then you sit there and you're pondering on what the devil is suggesting. Don't think on the suggestion of the devil. Put your mind upon the word of God. Put your mind upon the promises of God. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And my God, if God is with us, who can be against us? What can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? If God protects you, I tell you, the devil cannot touch you. Yeah, he will try, but when he tries, he's going to beat your God. Your God is big. Your God is mighty. Your God is awesome. Your God is a man of war. Come on now, shout hallelujah. Oh, I'm preaching better than somebody's responding this afternoon. Glory to God. Whoo. hi yeah, yeah, yeah. Glory to God. As a glory to God, the just shall live by faith. I live by faith. I take steps of faith. I believe God. The doctor might have given you a report. But you say, no, no, no. I'm not going to believe that report. I told the story last, uh, was it on Saturday? In the Turkish service. Or, or was it on Wednesday? Yeah, on Wednesday. Irene was translating for me. And I told the story when my wife was pregnant with Irene. And you guys must have heard the story. 
was pregnant with Irene, and my wife walked out one day to see a friend uh, back then where we lived, in the neighborhood where we lived. And she went there, met her friend, and on her way back, a street kid kicked the football and kicked it straight at my wife, and it landed on her tummy. And she was in so much pain. The pain was so much that she had to sit on the sidewalk. And she was there sitting and an elderly Turkish man came to the kid and said, Why did you do that? Don't you see she's pregnant? And of course it was just a kid. Maybe while my wife was coming and the kid saw my wife, the devil got into the kid and said, Shoot the ball at her. <laughs> no, the world we live in is a very spiritual world. I'm telling you. So many things that happen, people think they're natural, but they fail to understand there's a spirit behind them. That is why when Jesus came into the temple and saw the woman who, had, who, were, who was bent over like this for 18 years, Jesus told the spirit of infirmity, leave her alone. Amen. But you see, everyone that saw the woman thought it was just uh, a medical issue. But it was not a medical issue. It was a spiritual issue. You needed a man. You needed a Lord. You needed a man who understands the realm of the spirit to come into that place and see the spirit behind the problem. So I believe with all of my heart that the devil, a demon, got into that baby and said, shoot the ball. And the baby shot the ball, hit my wife on her tummy, and she was in excruciating pain. And, and what do you do to, to a kid like that? Yeah, you let him go. So my wife's friend picked her up and brought her to the house. And she was in so much pain. And so we went to the hospital the next day. We got to the hospital. They checked my wife out. And the, the doctor told her, you can have this baby. Because if you do, she will suffer from Down syndrome. Have you seen babies with Down syndrome? Terrible. So the doctor advised that we abort the baby. Guess the first thing that came out of my wife's mouth. No! no! I'm going to have my baby. Listen, when things like that happen, the first thing that come out of your mouth will determine what will happen. Oh my God, you know, it is easier said than done, you know. People come sit in church and you preach the word of God. And sometimes because they are not there, even though they are physically there, but they are not there. So the word of God tends to fly over their heads. They don't get it. And then they go out there and they are faced with a situation. Now what do you do? There are times when you will not even have the opportunity to call somebody to help you. You have to confront that devil yourself. You have to confront that circumstance yourself. That is when you know the kind of quality you are made of. Many sit in church, but they don't get it. People say, oh, you know, faith comes by hearing. Yes, that is what the Bible says. But many hear, but they don't hear. Some, it comes in this ear. Oh, my God. It flies out the other. I have said it over and over again. After the service, before, the, before somebody gets into the elevator, walk to them and ask them, what was pastor's message? They had forgotten it. You think everyone that's sitting listening is getting it? I pray you doing today. I pray you do. And I pray that you start coming to church with a totally different mindset. You don't come here to please me. You don't come here so that I see you. If you don't come here, you're not doing me any good. Or if you come here, you're not doing me any good. If you don't come here, you're not doing me any bad. I also need to come here. Come on now, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I have to also personally work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, pastor, I don't want to come to church. Okay, bye-bye. You're not doing me any evil. You're not coming to church for me. Are you kidding? My wife said, no, I'm going to have my baby. The first thing that will come out of your mouth will determine how this thing is going to play out. Faith is not in your head. 
Your head does not have the capacity to, to house faith. Faith is a spiritual force. Your head cannot house it. It must be housed in your spirit man. And when you are pushed against the wall, what is on the inside will come out. Amen. That is what you overcome troubles with. That is what you overcome circumstances with. When the bank gives you a bad report, what do you say? When the doctor gives you a bad report, what do you say? Oh, I'm finished. Oh, I'm done. You start crying. Now, that shows. That shows. Come on, now I'm preaching. That shows. My wife said, no, I will have my baby. Are you kidding me? Do you know how we prayed for that child? And then just suddenly, oh, that's the girl over there. There she is. There she is. She's 16 now. The doctor said, you need to get rid of this baby. My wife said, no. And, and watch this. It was not my faith. It was her faith. I said, it was not my faith. It was my wife's faith. There are cases where your spouse will not even be with you. It was her faith. She, we came out of the hospital and we put a call across to Pastor Corey. We said, Pastor Corey, this is the report we just heard from the doctor. Pastor Corey came over and met us where we were, right on the street. We held our hands, three of us, and he prayed. And he said, I'll send you to another doctor. So we go to a different doctor here in Nishantashi. I take my wife there. The doctor checked her out. We didn't tell this new doctor what the other doctor said. Just check her out. Checked her out and said, your baby's fine. Good. Yeah, you know, when you hear testimonies like this, you need to clap your hands and give God glory. Come on now. Don't be jealous because God blessed me. You need to clap your hands and give God praise. When you are excited over what God has done for somebody, you will be the next. In my case, it was get rid of your child. In your case, it might be something else. But faith is the same. As a faith is the same. As a faith is the same. He carried full term and gave birth. No Down syndrome. In actual fact, this girl is, oh my God. <laughs> and before my wife conceived, I already prayed. I said, God, I don't want a doll baby. I don't want a child who is just sitting there. No, I don't want that. I don't want like you. I want a child that's active. I want a baby. That, and I prayed. I said, Lord, I want a girl. How many of you know that God will grant the desires of your heart? Yeah. Say, Lord, I want a girl, and I want, it, I want this girl to be tall. Even at the time, I didn't even know she was going to play basketball, but I said, I just want a tall. I don't like short. Anyway, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I want a tall girl. I don't want a short girl. I want, <laughs> I, I, want <laughs> I want a girl who is tall. I want a girl who is active. And my God, when she was born and she began to grow as a toddler, and, and one year old, two years, I tell you, she was so active. She was too active. I said, Lord, it's like, relax. <laughs> take it easy, girl. Take it easy. But, well, you just got what you asked for. You got what you asked for. So what if my wife did not stand in faith to say no? Listen, medical signs will give you their report. And that does not mean, listen, it does not mean they are wrong. What they see is what they tell. But we serve a God who can reverse that report. We serve a God who can turn that report around. Yeah. We, we serve a God who can, who can bring a testimony out of that trouble. We, we serve a God who can use what the devil meant for evil and turn it for your own good. 
You see, now I tell the story. I've been telling this story for a long time. And each time I tell the story, people get blessed. Because it is a work of the Lord. The Lord has done it. And the Lord alone receives all the glory. But every time I tell the story, people are blessed. And people's faith will rise to a whole new level. I'm here to tell you this afternoon. What the Lord has done for me, the Lord can even do for you. Because if the Lord is for you, nothing, no one can be against you. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will take care of you. The Lord will provide for you. The Lord will defeat your enemies. If they come out against you one way, they shall flee from you in seven different directions. Ah, if I'm preaching to anybody in the house this afternoon. Come on, you. 60 seconds. Put those hands together and shout to the Lord a shout of victory. Give him praise. Give him glory in the house today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, when you begin to study faith, there's something you must discover. Faith is only made possible... And sustained by the voice of God. Everyone say the voice of God. The voice of God is what brings faith. It is what sustains faith. The voice of God. You see, I talked about this, I believe it was on Thursday. Why did Abraham make those two, what we might call in the natural crazy decisions. The first decision that he made is in the book of Genesis chapter 12. When God came unto him and said, leave your father's house. Leave your country. Now, now you've got to read in details. And when you read, you need to ask questions. God appears to him, leave your father's house and go to a place that I'm going to show you. God did not give him the map. No navigation system. Lord, where is the place? Don't ask. Just go. One of the biggest challenge is moving out of your comfort zone to the next place. Your comfort zone is your last place of victory. And God wants to move you forward. But you are afraid. I told a story in our morning service, a friend service, about a man, a businessman, in actual fact, a real estate developer, who had this business proposal to develop an area, an estate. And after the, the business was done, he would make a hundred million. U.S. dollars as profit. But to carry out this project, he needed to empty out his bank account. So all his business partners said to him, we decline. We cannot be a part of this. This is stupidity. What if you put in all your money and it fails? One moment, you are probably... 20, 30 million dollars net worth. And the next moment is zip. I mean, if you understand that people have invested in businesses and the whole thing went down the drains. Is that correct? So his business partners told him, we are not part of this. His wife, remember I told you a few minutes ago, that there are times you alone will stand in faith. You have to stand in faith. His wife said to him, I do not want to be a part of this. We cannot do this. Guess what the real estate developer did? He went to the office of a man of God. Walked into the office and said, man of God, this is the proposition that I've got. And everyone have told me not to invest because if it fails, I'll go back into poverty. Totally bankrupt. Man of God, 
What's your advice? People have also come to me to ask me stuff. But there are things that I can't decide for you. Even though I'm a pastor. I can advise, I can give scriptures, but I can't make the decisions for you. The man of God told this business real estate developer, said to him, uh, what do you sense in your spirit? So even the man of God could not say yes or no. At the end of the day, it's your choice. But this choice must be made by the leading of the spirit. So what do you sense in your spirit? He said, I, I sense peace in my spirit. Man of God said, then go ahead and do it. Walked out of the office, went out. One year later, he came back to the office. And he came back with a tithe of $100 million. How much is that? Oh, you can't even say $10 million. Some of you are afraid to say $10 million. <laughs> How much is the tithe of $100 million? $10 million. Not 10 million CDs, Naira, no. 10 million, not uh, Canadian dollar, 10 million US dollars as tithe. Man of God, I came to see you. Remember I was here, uh, I don't remember. Yeah, explained. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. I went and did like the Spirit of God told me. And here is the tithe of 10 million, 100 million dollars. It's 10 million, so give it to the man of God. I thought somebody would be rejoicing on that one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Listen. Always learn to give glory to God when he blesses you. Listen, when God increases, you give him glory. But also, remember the one he used. Preaching good now. <laughs> I'm preaching good. <laughs> no, really. Remember the one he used. Can I tell you a couple of stories here? Should I tell you a couple of stories? Yeah. <sighs> I was here doing music practice one Saturday many, many years ago. And then I get a call. Actually, somebody walked into the church and said, Pastor, there is a Nigerian guy in the hospital who is in coma. Please, can you come and pray? The moment he told me that, I sensed in my spirit to go to the hospital with a bottle of anointing oil. Everyone says strategy. strategy. Good. For every case, there is a strategy. Very important, very important. Don't use someone else's strategy to solve your problem. It may not work. You've got to know the strategy that the Holy Ghost gives to you for that particular situation. So uh, I finish music practice. I go into the office. I get a bottle of anointing oil. He takes me to the hospital right there. Shishilet Fowler. The young man was in coma. I arrived there. His girlfriend was standing beside him. He didn't know I came. So I took the anointing oil. I put it upon his forehead. And I called him back. Everyone said, called him back. Oh, you know, he was going somewhere. <laughs> he was on a journey. <laughs> he was on a journey and he has not arrived. <laughs> so I said, right about turn. Come back. He was not a member of this church, never came to this church. But how many of you know that God wants to bless everybody? Yes. Whether you are in the river or not. Amen. Whether you are born again or not. Amen. Jesus said, your father is so good, he makes rain to fall on both the good and the bad. Yes. Come on now, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. But the blessing of God does not guarantee heaven. And this is another message. Because some people think, oh, pastor, don't you see how I'm prospering? For that reason, God is with me. Listen, the fact that you are prospering does not guarantee heaven. Okay, let's go back to the subject. <laughs> so, I, I, I anoint him. He did not get up right away. But the word of faith has been released. Come out. 
or come back. Correct? So he has to hear that word and he has to respond. Any other voice that's been calling him, he has to ignore those voices and listen to the voice of faith. Mm. What did Jesus say in Mark 11? If you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea. And if you do not doubt in your heart, but you shall believe that those things which you said shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. <laughs> Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. So I walk away. About three, four hours later, he came out of coma. You want to praise God or you don't want to praise God? I don't understand why you are looking at, like, looking at me like that. When I tell stories like this and God is glorified, praise him. Amen. Because you are next in line. Amen. No, you won't go into coma. But you will see people. The Lord will lead you to people that are in coma and you're going to call them out. You're going to remember my story. And you're going to say, God used Pastor Godwell to call that man back. So I commend you in the name. Listen to me. I'm speaking to you right now. They may not be hearing you physically, but the words you speak carry the life of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says the words that I speak are spirit and life. So he's out. So his girlfriend who was there when I went to pray for him said, it's Pastor God. I didn't even know who the girl was. I met him there the very first time. That was my first time to meet her. But I introduced myself, right? <laughs> so, it's Pastor God who came to pray for you. So, guess what? So, he met me one day. And he told me, oh, Pastor. I said, yeah. He said, I, I did a, a, a Thanksgiving service for what God did for me. Um... I called a pastor of this church and I asked him to tell me what he needs in his church because I want to appreciate God for bringing me out of coma. <laughs> so the pastor told me he needs, I think he said, drum sets and keyboards and guitars and all this stuff and I bought everything for them. As he was telling me, guess what I was thinking? <laughs> What would you have thought if it was you? Hey, brother. Uh, in my head, I was thinking, I, I, it, it's me. Look, you know, this is, the, this is the guy that God used. Not that pastor. That pastor had no clue you were in coma. That pastor did not go to the hospital. It was me. In other words, like, how dumb can people get? How can you be so dumb? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11, the place where the tree falleth, there it shall lie. It was me that God used. How are you giving glory to God in another church? I didn't tell him. But you can see this, the level of stupidity in some people. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And so I learned something from my very dear friend, Bishop El Safo. Bishop El Safo will pray and prophesy over people. You've seen him. Amazing man of God. Amazing ministry. He will prophesy and pray over people. And when he gives them the word of the Lord, he'll say, remember me. <laughs> no, because unfortunately some people don't remember. where he, They don't remember. You know, they oh God, I give you the glory. Yes, yes, of course, you give God the glory. But don't forget, God used somebody as a vessel. Come on now, say amen. amen. Somebody, somebody spent time praying and prophesying. Come on now, say praise the Lord. So, so Bishop Sapper would say, remember me. So I got that. I, I liked it. I never did that. I didn't even know you could tell people that. Because if in my mind, if you told that to people, they'll think you want their money. 
But is it not interesting? The same people who think you want their money want your anointing. The same people who think you want their money want you to pray for them. The same people, yeah, remember me, Pastor? Are you praying for me? Pastor, when somebody told me one time, Pastor, can you fast for me? I said, No, you fast for yourself. Are you serious? Fast for you. Go hungry. I should go hungry for you. Can't you fast? Oh, Pastor, Mr. Faster, fast for me. Yeah, I fast for you to prosper. Give me a break. No, I said, You fast for yourself. Ugly thing. How can you ask me to fast for you? It's interesting, brother. Day. Pastor, can you fast for me? So while I'll be fasting, you'll be eating steak, <laughs> eating fufu, and eating all kinds of things, and I will be fasting for your breakthrough. It's funny how some people think. So Bishop Safa would pray and prophesy, say, remember me. And I got that. It's good. Tell them. Why are you afraid? Paul, Paul one time rebuked the church. He rebuked them. He said, is it just me and Barnabas that, that, that would refrain from, from, doing, uh, uh, refrain from marrying? And, and is it just I and Barnabas that will have to do menial labor to provide for ourselves? Huh? If we have sown spiritual good among you, what is the big deal if we reap your material benefit? Huh? Does the Bible not say, don't muzzle the ox when it treads out the grain? Did God say that for the ox? No, not for the ox. He said it for the ministers. Come on now, for a worker is worthy of his wages. So Bishop Savo then told me the story. The last time he was here, we were hanging out, me and his family. We went to a place and then we're coming back. And we just got talking experiences. I told him this story. And he told me his own story. He said a lady came to him. This is in London. And the lady said to him, um, I, I have a house, it's worth a million pounds, and I want to sell it. Can you pray that it sells in the market? And if this house will sell, I will bring the tithe and a special Thanksgiving offering. Don't tempt a pastor with that kind of proposal. If this house, a million pounds, you know what a million pounds is? If it sells, I'll bring the tithe, and, and I'll bring a special seed. Or a special Thanksgiving offering. Bishop prayed. <laughs> oh my God. Bishop prayed. And guess what? The house sold. I was waiting as he was telling me the story. <laughs> but you know, when, when you begin to talk about this, you know that the story is not going to end well. <laughs> I knew the story was not going to end well, but I wanted to see how it will end. And so Bishop told me that um, he said, the lady came back, and he came with an envelope. The envelope was so slim, he said. He said it was so, so thin. He said, I thought to myself, yeah, it's a check. That's what he thought. It's a check. It's a check. Because you know the tithe of a million pounds is 100,000 pounds. And on top of the tithe, Thanksgiving offering. Oh, my God. Maybe an extra 5,000 pounds, an extra 10,000 pounds to just say, man of God, thank you for praying. I want to appreciate you. Right? So he thought to himself, it's a, it's a check. And he opened it. You know how much was in it? 100 British pounds sterling. That was the tithe. That was the Thanksgiving offering. And Bishop Safo got upset. I said, what did you do? <laughs> I, I, I trust myself. I will, I will give it back to you. Bishop didn't give it back to her. You know, he comported himself. He, I don't think I'll comport myself. <laughs> I don't need it. I didn't ask you for this in the first place. You came to me and asked me to pray. You said, you said, if it sells, you bring the tithe. A million pounds is 100,000 pounds. That's the tithe. I didn't ask you. You told me. On top of the tithe, Thanksgiving offering. <laughs> so, so, Bishop, what did you do? Well, I, I took it, he said, but I didn't use it. I gave it to somebody. 
I guess he probably learned how to say, remember me. <laughs> so I, I, I talk to you here today. Remember me. Who's going to remember? Amen. Who's gonna? Amen. I'm telling you now, if you don't lift your hand now, you ask. You, <laughs> you remember. You, you, you better remember. Why are your hands down? I'm asking, who is going to remember? Who is going to remember Pastor Godwill? You don't know lifting your hand. Okay, don't lift your hand. Uh, uh, write his name down. Jenk, a day, a day is not lifting his hand. Write his name down. Who else? Fr- Princely. Princely, I've known you for years now. You write Princely's name. Write the names. Who else? Who remember? Awesome. Awesome. I like this section here. Thank you. Yeah, Pastor? Uh-huh. Good. Awesome. Praise God. Amen. Who else? People in the back? Camera, awesome. Praise God. And I have to tell you, remember, I went to preach in a place in Germany. I won't mention the name. I preached in a few places in Germany, so I won't mention the specific place. But I preached in this church in Germany uh, years ago, um, and I did a three-day revival meeting for them. I did a Friday, Saturday. Sunday was the climax. You know the way it is generally in the body of Christ? Sunday is always full. So Sunday was the largest number of attendance we had. Preached my heart, preached, preached, you know. And then at the end, we lined people up. They wanted prayer. Each person would come to tell me, Pastor, this is what I want. Pray. Next, this is what I want. Pray. You know how long that can take, right? So here comes a couple... They walked up to me. The man said they've been in Germany at the time, I guess for 35 years. And he said um, everyone that he has raised up in business at the time was doing very well, but his business was failing. And he asked me to pray that his business would begin to pick up and succeed. He said, that's number one. Number two, he said, I want you to please pray that my wife will conceive and have a baby. Two things they said to pray that God would do for them. I didn't ask for nothing. Everyone else that came to be prayed for did not make any kind of pledge. And I prayed. I don't ask for money. It is unethical to ask people to give money before you pray. I hear of all this stuff that's happening even in some of the churches, African churches. uh, uh, How if you want to come for baby dedication, they, they charge you a special. You want to go for a... You want to invite the man of God to dedicate your building. You, they, you ask them to pay you a certain amount of money. You want to meet with the pastor. They ask you to pay a certain amount of money. I'm not for that, that stuff. Maybe I don't understand that yet. Um, maybe somebody might have to explain to me why they do that. But I've dedicated babies here. I don't know how many. I've wedded people here. I don't know how many. I have gone over town, this city, this city, I've prayed over businesses. When people, most people in this nation right now who did not know anything about even the logistics business, when it all started, I mean, when they began to pick up, I was the one who would go from office to office praying and dedicating people's businesses to God. But Elochuku would tell you, when he first started his own office here, it was me that dedicated it. He is like a trailblazer, as many of you know. And I prayed for the businesses of many, dedicated them to the Lord, and all of that. So I don't ask for nothing. Pastor, will you be available? Oh, let me work my schedule. Yes, because my heart is to see you blessed. Amen. Your, your blessing, your success is my reward. That's, my, that's me. Your, your victory is my... I mean, when you succeed, oh my God, I'll be flipping, backflipping, somersaulting. I've counseled people to marry. I've married so many. I mean, what? A pastor, a pastor is a shepherd. He has a heart for the people. You're not doing it for money. Not for money. That's why I've never asked anybody, give this for this. It will be a cold day in hell. For me to ask money before I pray. Never. I better not pray than ask you to do anything for me to pray. 
Anybody listen to what I'm saying? <laughs> so the couple said to me, Pastor, pray over these two things. We pledge 1,000 euros. And they said this, we pledge this to you personally. That one said personally. <laughs> That's what it said. Personally, it is to you. Because there is giving to the ministry. There is giving to the minister. People come every now and then, pastor, personally. Pastor, and when, when they give, put an offering or an envelope into my hands and they don't say personal, I put it in the church. The church offering does not belong to me. It, it's the Lord's money. Maybe I'm teaching Ministerial Ethics 101. Don't touch that money. It's not your money. It's God's money. And God will hold you responsible. God will hold you responsible. Don't mess with God's money. Don't mess with the tithe. Don't mess with the offering. It's not your money. If they say it is yours personally, that's the only time you can use it. If it's not... It goes to the ministry's fund. Come on now, say amen. amen. So they said 1,000 euros will give you, and they said personally. I didn't even know who taught them how to say that, but they said it to me. So I said, okay. Prayed over the couple, flew back to Istanbul. About three months later, the pastor, my host, called me and told me, Pastor Godwin, remember the couple you prayed for? I said, yes. He said, oh. The business is doing well now. Hallelujah. He said, but there's a better news. So what is it? He said, the wife is pregnant too. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. This was in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. 2015, 2016. As I speak to you till today, I've not seen one dime. From that. But guess what happened? About three months after the pastor called me, or two months after the pastor called me, the woman miscarried and lost the baby. See, I don't want to go into the details of that. I've told you that a few times. Don't mess around with godly things. If you wouldn't do it, just keep your mouth shut. Don't Make promises and pledges that you know you're not going to fulfill. Keep your mouth shut. Keep it within you. If you are able, do it when you're able. But if you say you're going to do it, do it. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. <laughs> but I've also had the experience where I'll finish with this. And then we'll give to the Lord. I'll let everybody go because it's already almost 4 p.m. I finished preaching in the, in the French service years ago, and I walked into the office. And as I walked into the office, a couple walked into the office with me, and they said, Pastor, we have brought a seed to you, and we want you to please pray that the Lord will bless us with the baby. And they said this. They said, watch this. They said, it's yours. The seed is yours. Okay. I took the seed, I prayed about the husband and wife, and about three months later, she got pregnant. As I speak to you now, they have two kids, and they are now in Paris. She also got a second baby, because uh, the floodgates of heaven has opened <laughs> over them. They got a second baby, and the, the husband wrote me and asked me if they, if they could name the second baby after me. So there is one God will running around in Paris. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But when the first baby was conceived and delivered, the man came back with a thanksgiving offering. The first was a seed faith to see that miracle. Listen, there is no amount of money you have that can buy some miracles. Amen. If you know what I mean, buy. You can't buy a baby. There are things that are just impossible for money to deal with. But the Bible says money answered all things, correct? If you look at it from the natural, you think it just means money can buy all things. No, money can become a seed that will answer all things. 
Your money can buy a child, but when that money becomes seed and you release your faith with it, you can get a child. Your money didn't buy the child. Your faith brought the child. Anybody get what I'm saying today? If you've been given months to leave and the doctor said we're giving up on you and you can actually activate your faith with a seed. You tie your seed to that faith. You say, I will not leave, I will not die, but I'll live. And I'll declare the goodness of God. And I am sowing the seed to shut the mouth of death over my life. And that faith will cause health to come. Your money couldn't buy life, but your seed released with faith brought life.